Hello, this is Chris O'Regan, and you're listening to The Sausage Factory. This is episode 370 of The Sausage Factory. Welcome. In this episode, I chat to Ana Fernandez and Rodrigo Fernandez of Navgante Entertainment about their multi-character puzzle platformer action game, Greek Memories of Azure. This is a beautiful game. One of the most visually stunning games I've seen in recent years. Matched with it is the crafting behind its creation. It's So well balanced in terms of puzzles, your ability to do things, the ease of which you could figure out how, what you're supposed to do and how you're supposed to do it. It's so well put together. And what really drew me to Greek is the ability to have multiple characters at the same time, interacting with them and coming up with more and more complex ways to interact with the enemies or the puzzles and the environment you find yourself with based on the skills that each character has. And I was really taken by it when I played it at EGX 2021. And I was really, really happy to have Anna and Rodrigo come on the show to talk about its creation. I've said the word creation about seven times in this episode or this introduction, maybe because I am sort of so shocked that this is their first game and yet it's so professionally put together. No offence to Anna and Rodrigo and the rest of the team at Navagante Entertainment, which is not an easy name to say. (laughs) But... um, I'm rambling now, aren't I? So you want to listen to me from the past talk to Anna Rodrigo about this extraordinary game. Let's let's do that before it gets any worse. Chris, take it away. Anna and Rodrigo, 
Hello, well, thanks. Uh, uh, sorry, thanks for the invite. That's all right. You're all welcome to come. Hi. Thanks for being on. I mean, without you, there'd be no show. Um, well, it'd be me monologuing, but no one wants that. Um, can Anna, who are you and what do you do? Uh, hi, well, thanks so much for the invite. Uh, my name is An Anait. Everybody calls me Anna. And I am the producer at Navegante. And, well, I do production and a few things here and there uh, in the studio. Uh, and, yeah, as you mentioned, my name is Rodrigo. Uh, some people call me Ross. Uh, it's sometimes easier <laughs> on the tongue, <laughs> on English. Uh, I'm the co-creative director, so I started the game along with a friend of mine called Gustavo. And I'm the lead programmer as well. Nice. So our little like virtual green room chat about programming. We go, yeah. I saw you nodding like yes, Chris. We, yes. We don't want to, we don't want to talk. About <laughs> you use functions. Well, of course you do. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, and just a bounce between you, so Anna and Rodrigo. Um, how did you make your start making video games, Anna? You start. Uh, yes, so Rodrigo and I, we are siblings. <laughs> so, ah. yes, so I started uh, actually Navegante and Greek uh, is my first job or um, my first involvement in video games. I've been uh, next to Rodrigo since we're siblings. I've been with him and I've been part of everything he's, he's done. But I started fully uh, with Greek on the production side and uh, helping on the marketing side. Um, and, you know, like as, as most in the studio, you have to wear many hats <laughs> and many things that uh, are not considered that have to be done. So I jumped in to help them so that they can fully focus in the game while I took care of the rest. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, something that I think sometimes gets overlooked is how big things get along the way. And that's when she jumped in and started helping us out by with all that was uh, external to the game and, you know, put order in all the chaos we were having. Uh, so, yeah, uh, on my side, uh, I started making games. Uh, I, I kind of, I remember the, the exact point I was just doing some, uh, modding on a game called World of Battle Cry. It's a bit old. And uh, there's a point where I decided what I want to do, right? And uh, that's when I started digging around about making games and I saw how deep and interesting it was. And that's when I got hooked in it. So I went to uh, computer science school, etc. And I started making games for uh, small brands. Uh, so, you know, like for movies and stuff like that that you see on the mall. And after that, I met Gustavo, which uh, he had a, a small idea for what a bare bones idea of what Greek was. And then we started shaping it up on what it is today. Nice. Nice. Um, that's, that's really sort of wonderful that you sort of realize very quickly and early on, like someone's mm -hmm. making these games. How are they doing it? Oh, I know. I'll have a go myself. It's so common that mo a lot of people don't do that. They don't sort of. Like someone made this, right? Fine. <laughs> I want to make them as well. So, 
Yeah, and it's always interesting your siblings because I have three myself, and the mere thought of working with them fills me sort of dread. But so <laughs> good on you. <laughs> no, 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 no. I love them to pieces, of course, I do. But they're, but they're very, very different people. So uh, it's just we went. It's just you know how <laughs> some families are like that. We love each other to pieces, but it's like you, you do what? Okay, fine. That's that's, that's great, Tim. Good job. Anyway, <laughs> so. Um, so the next question, this is known amongst these parts as the dreaded third question because unfortunately it's a little bit nebulous, but I think it's important that we explore it because if you probably never thought of it, that's the problem with it. Many people have, like, I never really sort of thought about it. It's a bit uncomfortable to think about. It's not a personal question. Maybe it is, but uh, let's just stop dancing around it and ask you it. You can either ask it, answer it as a collective or individually. I do not mind. But what do you believe are your biggest influences as creators? Ah, uh, yeah, that's a that's a tough one, actually. I, 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 that's why you 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 you, you told about us. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I mm. think uh, for me personally, uh, it was just reaching out to the people that made the games. Uh, I think it, for me, it was very important to be able to. Uh, have a say on on what they do because I love games so much, what they represent and what they have given me as a creator, as a as a person that they give me so many experience, uh, personal experiences that I just wanted to be able to like give my take on what they do and they it, they usually speak on their works so that's probably my creative drive towards that so maybe it was just the other creators you know. Like being part of that group. Uh, for me, well, when I joined the industry, it uh, I got very passionate about it because, as you were saying in the beginning, there's so much that involves a game. It's it's a whole new world, right? There's so many little pieces that when you analyze, it's like, oh my gosh, something someone made all of this work somehow. So that was for me very interesting. And then also, uh, since we're a studio based in Mexico. Um, being a Latin American, inspiring other studios in Latin America to do this and to like show them it's possible to do to make a video game, also was very interesting for me. Right. Yeah, we've had a lot of developers from South America. He stresses that. Mm -hmm. I understand. Massive difference. I know that. Um, <laughs> but and we've had developers from all over the world. Please don't think of me patronizing in any way. Um, you know, we've had people from Bangladesh, people from Israel, a lot of Israeli developers. Don't if you know that, but it's a lot of them. Um, people, mm -hmm. who don't, a lot of the best games. Like, where are you from? Israel. Oh right, it's just, it's just <laughs> huge burgeoning industry. I say burgeoning. It's just yeah, been doing all sorts of things. So yeah, and you're right, just to to to, to be inspired by others in your community, and uh, that's 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 wonderful. Um, we've had all sorts of answers to that rather difficult question. You really sort of you did a great job of responding because the mere act of creation is inspiration yeah. itself, and that's wonderful. Um, we've had others, everything from their dog to the universe itself. <laughs> uh, I'll never forget that one. This is like this poor <laughs> really, totally. Well, they, they, our dogs do help a lot in the process, so <laughs> <laughs> they may be onto something. Yeah. They're a good boy, stroke girl, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's what matters. They're great for stress relief. So, no, well done. So, um, it's getting more difficult as we go along. Here's the next one. Ready? <laughs> just, 
This one's mm-hmm. even more difficult. Um, and again, you can answer it in multiple ways. There's not, there's not right or wrong answer. But it's something I always like to ask because it shows you're not existing in a bubble. It shows you, you mm-hmm. do understand that there's a life outside Greek and your own work, even mm-hmm. though sometimes it doesn't feel that way. So I just want you, both of you, to just give me um, an idea of what do you, what's developer do you admire at most in the industry and why? Mm, yeah, that, that's, uh, I think there's so many and it's yes, hard yes, to pinpoint yes. because uh, sometimes you get to know their work, but not their actual person. Uh, I say one of my personal, uh, like, people that I follow through along of what mostly they made is John Carmack. I think he's like a really big hero in the industry. And I really admire that he's really focused on just the getting the work done, you know, like really focusing on the technical side. That's always the part I like the most about making a game, the, just focusing on that side. It's so, it's so much uh, besides that once you get, go through all the process. But that's probably one of the biggest ones I, I can think of. Also, probably Eric Kachi. I, I probably am not saying his last name okay, but he's the one who made Another World or Out of This World in some localized. Yeah, I, I know it for, as Another yeah. World because I'm European, yeah. so I played, it yeah, on, I, I played it on an Amiga, so yeah. Yeah, he, he's so great. Uh, I, I saw a GDC talk on how he made that game, yeah. and it's unreal. Uh, so many difficult things on that era and he made it work somehow uh probably Derek you as well uh with Spelunky I've heard I read his book as well uh and I don't know there's so many things that I, I admire for example other developers here in Mexico that are making their own games they are in in the smaller towns around here and I I just look at how they were able to actually go to packs and just present their game given how they where they come from so I don't know that it, it, that's why I usually enjoy going to events. It's just probably that's why I started making this because just getting to know other creators like really drives me into just the you know still work on this. Yeah, yeah, great answers. Um, and yeah, John, going back to John Carmack, he's he was or is uh, an absolute genius when it comes to he can yeah. see think computer do things like no, he can't do that. He never accepted that answer, did he? He never, or never does. <laughs> yeah. He's like, no, it can't do that. I'm sorry, what did you say? <laughs> yes, it can. <laughs> he made the PC do things. So people just cite Doom, but he did many other things over and above that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember watching a video recently. That how did Quake run so fast on what was very, very, very mediocre hardware? How did you do that? No one's really asked yeah. that question. So we're like, oh, yeah, how did you do that? Because it shouldn't have been doing the things it was doing. You know, I was there back in all those years ago. Before I'm very old. I remember, you know, playing the test and it going, hang on, wait, I can look up. Yeah, amazing. The interesting thing about video games is that they are still somewhat mixed so much with art because you need a John Romero in the whole equation, right? To make a Doom. Like a guy who is out there and is just, Thinking about this, the all the crazy stuff that can happen within the game, and you also need the technical side. Yeah. Uh, so that's so awesome. That's probably uh, the interesting thing. It's just a, a merge of so many things working together to make an experience. Yeah. 
Uh, what about you, Anna? Is anyone you think your people or company or group or collective you point to and go, you there, you carry on doing what you're doing. You're great. <laughs> I've been uh, very interested in listening uh, to indie developers' experiences. That's something that uh, I've been looking, for example, a lot of GDC talks, right? Uh, because I like to see what they learned from their first projects and how they uh, use that expertise on the next project. For example, um, I started listening to uh, Thunder Lotus Games, for example, Spirit Fair, how how they started with their projects and how they reached this point where they made something so magical and uh, like that, like Spirit Fire game, right? So I've been very focused on listening to those cases um, so that because I feel that sharing information is 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 very good for other indie studios like us. That, uh, for example, Greek is our first game, and there's always good things that you learn from your projects that you can apply for for later, right? Like that you probably didn't know when you started, but then you're like, oh, now I know for the next game what I will do and what I won't do, right? So I've been very focused on that lately. Okay, so just sort of your peers, your de developers, listening to them and mm -hmm. uh, recognizing their efforts. That's great. You should listen to this show because they do it all the time. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> there's, a, there's another one to add to your roster of shows. Yay. <laughs> yeah. And we've got quite a back catalogue as well, so enjoy. <laughs> um, so, um, okay, well, that's great. Let's, uh, the last question then, last question. The first half says, well done, you made it. There you go. This is one more <laughs> question, then we can get on to, on to Greek memories of Azure. Um, this is a podcast about video games, therefore I'm legally obliged to ask this question. Mm -hmm. What are you playing right now? <laughs> oh, right now. Yeah. Uh, or planning to, because I understand you're still probably fiddling around with, with Greek more than fiddling. But uh, I know what it's like. Don't trust me, I know what it's like. But is there anything yeah. you, you're wanting to play or currently playing? I don't mind. Uh, so, uh, personally, I play a lot of Noita. Uh, the roguelike, uh, I don't know how they made that game. It's so mysterious and creative uh, that it really chills me. Like, you do a run daily and see how far you go into it. You probably die somewhere. It's uh, the, just it's... a game about particle effects, everyone. It's a yes. dungeon crawler with, with yeah. spells that go awry. Very, very, because no one talks about that, do they? It's a game that yeah. answers the question, what happens when you fire a fireball? Does it dis dissipate? In answer to Noita, no. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Yeah. What does it do? Yeah. It just keeps going. That's what it does. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah. carry on. Yeah. Uh, so probably just that casually from time to time, from then on, I'm starting to actually put things out of my backlog now that we are starting to have some extra time to see, mm -hmm. find more explanation and see how things are. So I've been playing Outer Wilds. Uh, I'm about to start this Coliseum, so I got a good bunch of games just lining up pretty well. Yeah, uh, Outer Wilds is very, is almost impossible to talk about because of the yeah. spoilers and everything. Like, you're on a spaceship. Shut up! Oh, damn it. <laughs> um, but um, I need to do the DLC for it. People keep telling me it's scary. Outer Wilds is always scary. People, it, it, that's not too much of a spoiler. There's one particular point. It's really terrifying. And that's fine because, <laughs> you know. But it was my personal game of the year 2019, I think it was. Last year it was um, 
it was um, Alex, um, Half-Life Alex on uh, VR. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, still my bad luck as well. Oh, <laughs> I played a bit. I played a little bit of that one and that's, it's pretty good. <laughs> it's very good. It's very good. Yeah. Um, it really uh, cranks up the concept of being back in uh, City 17 is both great yeah. and terrifying at the same time. Um, but You, yeah. you know, I, I actually, what I love about Half-Life Alex is that I remember when the Half-Life 2 came out, I didn't have internet on my machine. It was like 2004 or something. Yeah, and I yeah. had to, to do so many things to actually get to play the second one. And now it's the same thing for Alex. <laughs> now I need a PC with a new headset. A new just... headset yeah. <laughs> so new experience, it, it feels familiar. Yeah, I, I've used an Oculus Quest with my linking my PC to it, which is my yeah. my my big recommendation. If you can do it, if you've got a good Wi-Fi, which I do have, and a good PC, it's like two platforms in one. It's fantastic, but it's, <laughs> the, the, unfortunately, there's a lot of hurdles to get to it. But if you can, highly highly <laughs> recommend it. Okay, what about you, Anna? What are you distracted with? What what's pulling you away from your Gantt charts and producing? Oh, I. <laughs> I'm playing right now uh, Shadow of the Colossus. I hadn't played it before, and I'm absolutely loving it. I haven't finished it because, no. you know, when you're loving so much a game, it's kind of like a, a mixed feelings like, do I really want to finish this because I'm enjoying <laughs> it so much? So I've been kind of like, okay, I know this is coming to an end, but I'm really loving it. Yeah, there's another game we can't talk about because of spoilers. Um, but, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes. uh, I, I, I'm that old. I played it on the PlayStation 2 when it first came out. Like I said, I'm old. Uh, but they, that's a game they've released three times on three yeah. separate generations. Like So PlayStation 3 and PlayStation 4, because it's that great. It's that great. <laughs> uh, for me, it was the horse that threw, threw me. Amazing. Amazing. Oh, my gosh, yes. It's like, yeah. wait, it's actually... A horse of a capital eight. Oh yes, it is. It really is, and uh, yeah, it becomes your best yeah, so, friend. So, so oh, yeah. I, I'm, so cool. I'm absolutely loving it. Before that, I started playing a bit of Dark Souls, but I'm so bad at it. Mm, mm. <laughs> I'm really bad at it. <laughs> yeah, it's. Um, yeah. I just I just view Dark Souls and Demon Souls and those games as as uh, they're just action adventures with a very very precise and unique combat system that mm-hmm. you have to respect uh, and the, the the progress system and the hub and all that kind of stuff you just have to take away what your preconceived ideas put them aside and go okay this is it but ultimately it still is an adventure with mm-hmm. beginning middle and end once you grasp yeah. that all that other baggage that you have all those people saying oh you actually get past it and go oh this is what i just need to do you know, I'm not going to be... This is not like an Assassin's Creed where you just get ridiculously powerful to the point where you become a juggernaut and nothing's really challenged you. Sorry that to happen mm-hmm. to me with Valhalla. Great game. I liked it. But honestly, towards the end, I was just going... <laughs> just yeah, yeah. It's, it's just like a... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry for the listeners i'm doing a chopping action but yeah i'm just basically just murderizing everything creatures that i spent <laughs> half an hour killing i did in 20 seconds it was like okay i, I, I might stop playing now uh but dark souls doesn't do that you can't do that you can't be anything could kill you even right full the you know, 20 hours in yeah anything could take you out yeah and that's the point and once you, just, <laughs> once you, and that's okay. I'm not being gatekeeper. I'm just describing the game to you in very sausage factory like terms. That's what it is. 
<laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I've been no. <laughs> trying to introduce her to more Souls games. Uh, I deeply love uh, Demon Souls, uh, Bloodborne, all of them. I think they're very interesting and they so influential now at this point. But they they're really good. I think they have a really steep intro curve, especially uh, if you're not used to like, as you mentioned, like action adventure games. But uh, once you get into it, I, I think one of the best games I've played is the ones you come back after to give it another shot. For example, it happened to me for Dota as well. Uh, you have to, like, I started, and what the hell is this, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. understand anything. No. And then I gave it a shot. And so most of the time, you even have to be, someone has to guide you through the process. Of, ah, you have to yeah. do this, etc. And then you really get them, and then uh, that's when they click, right? Absolutely. And speaking of someone who's been commentating and reviewing games and writing about them for so many years, um, Dota and the MOBAs, as they are, uh, that's a fascinating concept because you are not the centre of attention. You are mm -hmm. not the centre of the world. You are not the most important icon or image or thing on the screen. No, it's not you. It's not even your teammate. They're not that important <laughs> yeah. either. And it's like, wait, who is then? Do you see those AI crawlers? Do you see all those things crawling past you? It's them. They're the most important. <laughs> and that freaks everyone out because, like you said, like, I don't understand what's going on. That's the mechanic. That's the core of it. It's always been that way. Why? Because it came from Warcraft, and that's what Warcraft is about. Shuffling around AI units with the hero unit. That's where it comes from. Hello? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but people don't know that. They think it looks like an action-adventure game because it looks like one. If you don't know these things, it looks like I'm not gatekeeping. I'm just describing the system. That's, so once yeah. you embrace that, it becomes way easier to understand, not to play. Oh no, not to play. Yeah, but at yeah. least you understand. Like, that's why that happened. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, that's my why place I, in the game. Yeah, yeah. My place in the game is please push mid. I'm not going up mid. It's a point. It's pointless. I'm not going to middle channel. No one's there, but they will be. Just go that fine. You know, with others, <laughs> you know. That's just how they all are. Um, so anyway, if you hear my voice, I have some expertise in them, but rubbish at them. Rubbish. Terrible at them. Tried it. Just couldn't get on with them. Sorry, but <laughs> at least I, I respect them for what they do. But yeah, it's just they get so many people who don't, and that's the problem. And then they get the clash, and they think they are the center of the universe when they're not. <laughs> 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 cool. Right. Well, that's the end of the first half. Let's uh, let's go into the second half now, where we delve deep into Greek memories of Azure. <laughs>
So, the first question, as regular listeners will know, isn't really the question, it's a request. It's known as the zeroth question, which is a bit of an Asimov reference if you're not familiar. Um, and it is this, we can't talk about Greek memories of Azur until we know what it is. So, in your own words, have a go. Good luck, I don't know how you're going to do this. Um, <laughs> what is Greek memories of Azur? Uh, Anna, you want to give it a go? Sure. Uh, so, in my words, uh, Greek is a single-player uh, single experience uh, with uh, different mechanics. Uh, it is a hand-drawn, uh, a, a game made with hand-drawn art and animations where we... Um, we took care of it looking uh, more of a of a storybook, uh, in the art art wise. So, so yeah, you have three different characters with uh, different mechanics, and you have to alternate between the three different characters to solve puzzles and progress through the story. And beautiful it is too. That's the thing that drew me is the lighting. We'll talk about that later on in the show, but I've got to mention it now. That's the one thing that struck me was how subtle and well used the lighting is so we'll talk about ah, it thanks it's just Thank amazing you. what you've done yeah. there that's very clever there's other ways of, yeah anyway i'm going to hold I'll keep my powder dry but i'm like i said i keep on go, going back to my age so it means that i see a lot of games over the decades one of the earliest games i encountered that's similar to in the form of three characters was a game called terminus um which is about 40 years old uh, and I've actually got it somewhere over there. And I'm just gesturing to my, my left. Uh, I was going to bring it out, but anyway, it's called Terminus, and it has different characters. Again, have all different abilities, but they're they're all separate. And there's another game called Head Over Heels, which also had separate characters of different abilities. Mm -hmm. There's also The Lost Vikings, which is a game. Yeah, for sure. Which is uh, probably one you're more familiar with. It came out on the SNES yeah. and the Amiga, and that was the one of the earliest games that a small developer, I think they're still around, called Blizzard made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love, <laughs> yeah, for sure. that. I, I love making that joke. <laughs> I, I, I think an easy way to describe Greek, uh, it's kind of a something that we have struggled to probably put across uh, some of the users, but it's a single-player co-op game. So it's kind of like a, a weird thing to articulate because how it's going to be a co-op and a single-player, yeah. but it's, it's, it's mostly about that. It's to alternate between characters and each one has different abilities, right? Yeah, and my first question is anchored around that concept. That's why I'm leading to that point. That's why I was building up all those other sort of stories and other, other other games because they do it in different ways. Okay, I mean that Terminus one isn't very good, but at least it tried. You know, it tried to do something different. <laughs> and the, the limited hardware had. I mean, it's 40 years ago, so you can imagine. Um, so <laughs> the three characters, they're siblings, um, <laughs> and. Um, the um in 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 Greek memories of Azur, they appear to have been designed in a way to allow <laughs> the player to expand their interaction with the environment beyond just a single point of reference. Yeah, it feels like you said, "Look, I've got this tapestry, but why of it that I've spent all this effort making all this stuff, and the player is only looking at a like a." A little tiny circle of space at any one time, which is what platformers happens. You're, generally, in platformers, you're focused. Yeah. You mentioned, you know, Spelunky. You know, the only way to really succeed in Spelunky is to look down all the time, mm -hmm. <laughs> all the time. 
to the point where it gets a bit tiring on the on the right thumb as you keep on pulling the stick down because you're constantly looking down. So for me, that's fine for Splunky because that's the nature of it, but you don't get to get to interact with it until you get there. But with Greek Memories of Azura, you can get there by another character. Mm-hmm. Um, was that the original intent? Uh, yeah, so uh, as you may imagine, like we're hardcore gamers, uh, when we started making this and we and as i mentioned we wanted to like try to see what happened because when you're an indie you can take risks it's kind of the point of go, of being independent it's kind of the one of the major uh like things about being able to do this on your own so one of the ideas was to see what was beyond the traditional mechanics on the game on on the on the genre like uh, on the platformers, because you usually get the same set of abilities at some point. Uh, so uh, we, what we are trying to do is like really change things up w- once you get every upgrade in the game, uh, and that's why we decided to play around this concept. Because and that's also the reason why characters have so many stuff already in them when you get them, because we wanted to see what will happen. Once you go past beyond the 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 first, like once your character is complete, you know he has already his abilities, all his tool like toolset that it's common. And now, what else can I get that it's completely game changing? That was the idea behind it. Nice. Okay. So expand the capabilities of the. Yeah. Oh, I see. Because I generally thought it was you like want to expand the environment, which it does by by. Um, more like emergent gameplay more than like by design. And that's still valid too. In fact, I suspect many of the ideas and concepts came about because something happened like, oh, that's fun. <laughs> you know, that, <laughs> I'm sure you've been to many talks like, follow the fun. Like, oh, yeah, we should carry yeah. on doing that. That wasn't our original yeah. intent, but that's happened. So, But I generally thought it was you exploiting the real estate of the screen because that's, that's what I would use it for. But mm-hmm. that's how I felt it because... You know, when you're playing like FPSs, how often do we find ourselves focusing on this middle ellipse yeah. of the screen? To the point where I've mentioned this on the show before, but the health bar for Destiny is this crescent at the top edge of your. Is, is it a Because they know. They know. Like, yeah, that's right. That's all you can see, right? That's all you can see. There's this little bubble. Because you're not looking at anything around the edge. Why would you do that? That's insane. <laughs> So yeah, <laughs> but with 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 um, Greek memories of Azure, you have to you have to look around you all the time, which is wonderful. Yeah. Ah, ask, thank you, thank you. Yeah. Next thing, I want to ask about the inventory for the characters. It's uh, mm-hmm. you have these special items mm-hmm. uh, in Greek memories of Azure, and they are very powerful. You can get out of trouble very very easily. Provided you've got the ingredients in there to make them and find them and that have you, wonderful. But there's very little limited slots. There's a very small yeah. am- number of slots. I want to ask you why <laughs> and how did you develop how many, how did you find balancing that, making sure that people weren't reliant on them so much and they are quite yeah. sparse. So just basically, I'm just trying to get my understanding of how sure. they were, because it felt like. They were introduced later, or they're always there. I don't know. Talk us through their creation. So, so that's a a very interesting point. I think, as you as you know, this is our first game. So, the, like serious game because I made uh, 
uh, or we made a lot of like smaller games, but nothing on this scale, right? And nothing yeah. that gets this much attention. And we tried many things to see what the game was about. And one of the ideas behind the inventory system was we wanted it to be a bit restrictive to the players. So they kind of felt like uh, going to adventure, for example, when you, and it's, it's, it's tough to me to go back to this game because it's, speaks so much but in dark souls the fact that the bonfires are so spread apart it makes you feel like you're trapped on that point and you wanted to have a like when you're going to a journey you can actually plan what you want to have in your inventory and then go along the way and with that restriction in mind so when they give you items you have to carry for a quest you will take into account that extra space for that. But honestly, it didn't work out so well since people are very uh, vocal about being restricted. They, I think that's something that we kind of missed the mark a little bit. Uh, they are really annoyed when you restrict them uh, like uh, forcefully on that regard because we also thought that having multiple characters, they will give you a big upgrade of items when you get them. So that was the idea behind it, which is just, it's just one single instance in the game where you're super restricted when they get two of your inventory slots uh, uh, into it, and then you have to go into this new place. And also something that didn't work quite well is that we got like a fauna in the game where you can cook and pick up different items yeah. and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and the intention was that players would not grab everything they find, that they will consider what will take and then decide what to cook and what to bring on their inventory. But it was probably too much work uh, to, for something that, that didn't pay off that much to the player. And that's something we are still learning and balancing out. We actually uh, listen to a lot of the feedback and we're learning from that uh, uh, process. And uh, I think we generally agree on what didn't feel right. It's sometimes you get hooked into the, your idea in the first place. And then once you actually get to try it out, like give it a time off and then see why are people not really keen to this idea, then it probably makes more sense. And that's something that we are still adjusting. Uh, we actually, I think the uh, one of the mistakes was giving probably too much uh, options to the player and very small space so yeah i think it's it, it was a, a tough one to to learn but we did so many different tries on inventory systems we did one with similar to resident evil where you play stuff and we did an unlimited one but it, it was kind of like really boring just to grab stuff so yeah i think it's just kind of learning what works and what not uh, i think we're definitely taking notes and seeing what will be a best solution for later but i don't know no, that's odd for me. I actually quite like them because one of the biggest problems I have with inventories in video games is what I call the BFG syndrome. BFG <laughs> syndrome is basically from Doom, again, in that you get the BFG, but you just never fire it. You just <laughs> never fire it. <laughs> because it's like, oh, I haven't encountered a massive big enough demon to really, you know, warrant its fire. Yeah, you no. just keep, keep saving those shots. Yeah. yeah. No, just fire it doesn't matter even it's like one fire demon doesn't matter just shoot it you know because you might find something that was actually invisible caco demon wasn't you didn't know it was there it's fine just shoot it and i've embraced this concept of if you get something awesome at a particular point you just, just use it it's not yeah. wasted 
It's just like the wasted thing is the fact that it's taking up a slot. Like, yeah. The slot is more valuable than the thing that was in it. So that's how I think you should, if I may, approach it, is that, <laughs> you know, being, you know it, it's, it's, economy is fine. It's fine, as long as it's not too forced. And yeah. the fact is, you can do all of the things not necessarily with the items, as far as I can see. The item, the items are there to help you, but you're not entirely reliant on them, which I thought was really clever. And I thought and yeah. it is clever. It's a really clever thing to uh, do thanks. to actually say, no, you're not. You don't. You know, there's no a quest item would be in another slot or something else, as it is with MMOs. I mean, I've played enough MMOs where you now have two bags: one for your quest items and one for all your crafting junk. One of which is much more full than the other. <laughs> Guess which yeah, one? Yeah, I think. <laughs> no. I, I think one of the most important things in our game was making it immersive. So yeah. we we yeah. didn't make sense that the character have this back and have a, a like a extra space for something that didn't exist. So that's why we made it that way on the first on the first section. But that's where the things clash, where it's fun or it's immersive, you know. Yeah. And that's a tough one to balance. Also, something that uh, we wanted to come across and didn't work that well is that at the beginning, you'll have so many things to grab around, like the plants will be blooming. And once you progress through the game, they start uh, getting corrupted by the the enemies that are taking over your lands. So we wanted to be a, like a storytelling through mechanics. Yeah. But yeah. It, I think I think it didn't quite work that way. It was mostly annoying for some people that they couldn't carry all what they wanted. And just as you mentioned, that effect of I want I I want to save this up for a boss, you know, or, or etc. And it's hard to, yeah. of course, yeah. 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 And and if it's 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 general, uh, it, and it's very understandable because I think it happens all the time in in yeah. every game. And uh, once you get let that go, you enjoy them a, a bit more personally, I think. Yeah. But it's it, it's a tough one where you are trying to put it on the hands of everyone, you know. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, my next question is really about environment and sense of uh, the, 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 the kind of sense of feeling, the emotions that uh, Greek Memories of Azur actually emits when you're playing it. It's dread. It's a constant <laughs> sense of danger. Every, every step you take, you don't know whether you're going to step on something it's probably going to throw your face off. And it's this constant feeling of, I'm going to die any second. And this is quite stressful, not in a negative stress like concert. That's a whole different podcast that I'm not qualified to talk about. But we're talking about experiencing game stress. Um, how have you found, knowing that this is, I'm hoping I've interpreted this right, that you've deliberately made this game in the sense of things are bad. The whole point yeah. is you need to leave this place because it's... Yeah. Done. You're, this land is done for. You did a great job of defending it, but unfortunately, something's happened. I won't mm-hmm. reveal what. And then you just have to, you know, the best course of action apparently is to leave. Um, mm-hmm. So, and there's this constant sense of, like, you know, imminent demise, imminent death. What have you found balancing that versus hope and, you know, overcoming the odds for fear of fatiguing the player, making it feel the player feel so downtrodden and fatigued that they don't want to carry on. What what have you found that balance? How have you found those those like, tipping those against each other? 
yeah, I'm glad you 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 felt that because I think that was exactly the point we wanted to give the game. Like mm. the main characters have the glimmer of hope, and the camp and the characters in it. Like you're, we didn't want to do like a bigger scope of a story. It was mostly what you can do from your point of view in this world. And uh, as you mentioned, the whole point was making sure that the player felt like it's they're losing their their land but they are not alone you know and they can and the the idea was to once you get a new character you feel empowered and you feel stronger when they are together it's a bit of a cheesy line but that was pretty much the core concept uh honestly about how we achieved it I, i'm not sure uh, if it worked out i suppose it did because <laughs> you 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 oh, yeah, yeah. i mean i carried on you know yeah I mean, it's, it's, so it, it, greek memories there's so it's very difficult to talk about because the content is similar to outer worlds and it's very sensitive you know it's uh everything you reveal is like oh see that's 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 something to strive for or something i've missed or encounter especially when all three siblings are together yeah. That's a really major moment when all three are yeah. joined, and I can't. I don't want to talk about it because I'll get sad. But it's 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 a lovely <laughs> it's, a, it's a lovely moment, and um, it's it's something that uh, certainly drove me on because just you know I'm a big explorer. I'm one of those people who played World of Warcraft for the sole purpose of actually trying to find all the dungeons. That's the only reason I raided. It's the sole reason. You know, it's yeah. like, yeah, because I wanted to see all the dungeons. That's it. <laughs> that was it. You know, yes, I'll be a healer. Fine, I'll do that. Yes, I suffered that. I really did. <laughs> um, anyway, but point being, um, it's it just, I think I think you did a great job of balancing that. Ah, because, thank you. Because Dark, Dark Souls sometimes doesn't. Uh, I know, I think Bloodborne definitely doesn't. I think it's so oppressive to the point where people do walk away, but they keep going because it's just so bonkers and weird. Uh, and that's what keeps people going. But with with um, Greek memories of Azure, it's the sense of not hopelessness, not mm-hmm. hopeless, borderline. But you've got something, and you've got your 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 um, your bond with your siblings gets you through, and that's quite quite a, quite a thing, quite, quite a message to come acro- to put across. Ah, thanks. And, and I think that's one. That was one of the of the main things. Like like you mentioned, like the, to transmit some emotions. But like you mentioned, like knowing that even though with the danger that the world has, uh, knowing that you would do anything for your siblings. Like it, it, for us, it was important to transmit that to your family, your siblings, and also teamwork. Right, the other. Uh, characters in the world like you would do that to help them and yeah. so that was something very important to yeah to yeah. translate to translate and to to give mm-hmm. and like i said you could have gone really too far on that scale and games do unfortunately because they haven't quite honed that and it becomes you know hopeless and therefore the player <laughs> walks away because it's like this is too too much or it's just like i can't you know can't Whereas games that, uh, you know, um, Brothers is a really good example. That's, you know, correlation. Yeah. Whereas that gets a, towards the end. That, that's yeah, it's hard, it's it's hard to cope. It's tough. <laughs> towards that, that, that last bit, I'm not going to say. Yeah. The game's been out for over 12 years now. But even still, it's like, oh, boy, that that was hard. That, that, I'm going to put yeah. the controller down now because that was too much. But uh, Yeah, anyway. I, I, I think one of the, of the good things about... Uh, Keeping that thread is making the characters feel really strong and yes. like yes. 
like really like their personalities are very like uh upfront about conflict and about trouble they jump in and they solve stuff because i think that's something that usually where they for example in 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 souls games the characters don't really have a personality so you get the whole dress carried by the player and there are some games like brothers where the characters transmit that drama with them but we wanted to make sure that the the Koreans, which are the main characters always felt like they were still in control even if even if things weren't going their way right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. last question and this mm-hmm. is about the visual design of greek memories of azure this is incredible absolutely ah, thank incredible you. thank you it's it's both Visual delight, but also, and I don't know how you did this, but it's also informative. You know where you are in relation to the rest of the world. You know where danger lies because it's so obvious. It's usually got a different tone. It's got a shade of like a drop sort of relief shadow behind it. It's emitting some noxious gas or something. It's just, it's obvious that it's a bad thing that you need to, it's it's, it's a barrier between you and success. Can you, you know, just knowing that, that you have a visual, you're trying to portray a visual world, a very rich and, and, and wonderful world, while at the same time informing the player, because that's quite important. <laughs> and that's unique to video games, I believe. <laughs> uh, you could yeah. say that film has it too, but video games even more so. The player really needs to know what they are and yeah. the relationship, the character's relationship with the world they're in, not so much with film. But anyway... Can you tell us the balance? How have you found, again, that word balance? It comes up a lot on this show, this having these two not oppos- opposing ideas, but one can overwhelm the other. How have you found <laughs> that? Uh, so I think one of the things we learned uh, as developing the game, it was we were pretty bad at explicitly, explicitly saying things to the player. Uh, so we were much better at showing and as you mentioned, that's one of the strongest things about the game, like uh, being able to actually put the player in their shoes on what is going on there. And and I, I think that's something that we slowly got used to doing. So uh, just being able to... I, I think it also merged very well with the story we wanted to tell about a, a place which was being left off by everybody else. So I think that's something that we uh, we felt really strongly about the experience that we wanted to be very heavy on ambient storytelling, you know, and that we wanted to translate that to to all the areas of the game. Uh, so uh, that's something that we really wanted from day one is that it was gonna be hand drawn. Uh, we felt that there's so many games that. Uh, it has kind of been lost in the process and that's something we wanted to make sure that stayed relevant and also uh, as Anna mentioned we wanted to make the game look like a small fable book about this story about the siblings and uh, that's something we I don't know it kind of mixed in I think that's mostly on on the on the side of Goose and the other artist Nico uh, he's the, the lead artist of the of the game and um, i don't know <laughs> yeah i think i think uh to add to that uh we we put a lot of effort on 
evaluating every single spot in the game. So we wanted to transmit something different and to make every spot magical in a way. So, and as you progress through the story also to see how the environment changed as as the story and as the world kept progressing. So we put a lot of effort and complemented that with the audios and the music. So we just wanted to make it a bit immersive. So for example, if you see like a little pond, like just to hear when the characters just go and the splash, you know, those little details, I think we focused a lot on those just to make it feel magical and give it more yeah, yeah. More, yeah. more of a powerful experience. Yeah, yeah. Always something moving on the screen. That's the yeah. golden rule. Always <laughs> something moving on the screen. Unless it's threes. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, it's the, yeah, you've definitely struck that balance and I think you've done a really, really good job of that. And it's been really, yeah, it's, uh, and the hand-drawn stuff, that's that, that's quite a feat and it definitely shows. The tra- normally hand-drawn is reserved for the proof-of-concept sketches before it gets translated. Yeah. But now you, you said, actually, no, let's keep those and put them into the game, which is yeah, is yeah. quite a thing. So, Greek Memories of Azure, which is developed by Navagante, is it? Um, yeah, Navagante. Navagante uh-huh. Entertainment. Where's the name come from? Uh so <laughs> it was mostly like a, a random thing we just came up. I think it, it fits quite well the studio because we are all uh, scattered. Uh, the right. studio is, is formed by people of Latin America. Uh, it's based in Mexico, but there we got collaborators all over Latin America. And it Navigante feel it's it means just like a sailor, no, it's pretty much in no, Spanish. Okay, so yeah, it's uh, sometimes yeah. really this this that we we we. Um... Germanic sort of like north northwest Europeans thing. Have we got the same word? There it is navigation. Yeah, totally. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's just a, I find it fascinating. It's this clutch of us, like Scandinavians, yeah. Germans, and we have this very odd like terms. Um, you know, I know you used it because of English. Like, why is it like that? Well, oh, that's why. <laughs> Germans, that's why. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I thought it was a wonderful, wonderful story. So, um, and of course, it's published by Team Seventeen. Mm-hmm. And uh, where? What is it coming out on? What's it coming uh, out on? So it's actually right out right now on Switch, uh, PS Five, Xbox Series X, mm-hmm. PC, uh, in Steam, and Go. Okay, uh, is it Windows, PC, and yeah, just PC and in GOG, yeah. yeah. Okay, so just want to make sure because we have our, uh, um, so it's Windows PC and all the, oh, I have a PS5. Oh, that's good. I have one of the five people in the world that has one of those. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> From launch day, shockingly. That's oh, a whole that's, separate that's, story. Yeah, yeah, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's very lucky. On the morning of launch day, I actually took a photo and put it on Twitter and went, there you go. And like, How? Like, oh wow! How did you, you, do you didn't that? know what you had at that time. I knew exactly yeah, what yeah. I was doing. I planned it all out, but even still, they went, "How did you do that?" And went, well, <laughs> that's pretty cool. <laughs> but uh, no, it's been a pleasure having you on. It really has. Ah, been thank you so guests. much. I hope you enjoyed yourselves. You. I know I did. Um, and you're more welcome to come back because we've had oh. a lot of return guests. <laughs> Current record holders is Inkle with four appearances. Because <laughs> uh, they're a prolific lot, and uh, but uh, yeah, do come back and chat about whatever game. We'll be here. We will be here. Trust me. But oh, uh, thank you so much for the invite and for actually 
taking the time to really dig into what the game was. I think that's one of the most important things that we wanted that actually uh, seems that you really enjoyed what we wanted to put out there. So thank you so much. No, yeah, no thank, thank you. you so much. Thank you. thank you for making it. So yeah, cheers. All right, cool. Thanks. You have been listening to the Sausage Factory podcast, part of the Cane and Rinse Collective. Support us for just two US dollars per month at patreon.com forward slash cane and rinse for early, extended and exclusive podcasts. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube and at our website caneandrinse.com.